Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Troy, welcome on. How are we, mate? Not too bad, yourself. Yeah, going all right, mate. Obviously, you're part of the podcast game too, the Power Cave podcast. Tell me all about it. Well, it's just a podcast I've started up just recently. I think I'm about 18 episodes in, so a relatively newcomer to the game. But yeah, I've got this passion for rugby league, but also sports. Um, so the podcast is predominantly rugby league and um, predominantly Parramatta players, X and Parrot. But um, as I'm a rugby league lover, I just love talking about all the old ex-legends from Welcome back to the well. Rugby League Guru um, Podcast. So we've got another installment of Fan is Short for Fanatic. Sports, Today I'm lucky so enough I'll to be joined by well. Troy. So, yeah, he is really a fanatic Parramatta Eels fan. He runs the podcast, the, the Paracave Podcast. Um, I have never met a bigger Parramatta Eels fan in my entire life. If you have a look on my social media, you'll see all the pictures of him and his man cave. Mate, the name could not be more fitting the Paracave. I've seen a couple of images in there, a couple man cave at home. Tens of thousands My God, I've never seen so much fucking Parramatta gear in it my entire life. He's done a few belief. like media pieces for the club. He's, yeah, he's on the board um, of Bankwest Stadium. Uh, he's, just, honest, um, he's been a part of the club forever. The I mean, on his podcast, he's had guys like Brett Kenning, podcast. Peter Sterling, um, some of the just basically all-time greats of rugby league and especially so the Parramatta Eels. A, a champion bloke who his earliest memories start all the way back in 1986, that grand final win, and all the way through. Just an incredible journey. I love guys that are this passionate about their footy. Troy, he is right up there with the biggest fanatics I've met, if not the biggest fanatic, a champion bloke, a great chat, let's kick it off. Toothbrushes, golf balls, usually a thousand glasses, anything with eels on it, I'm generally buying it, so um, the wife doesn't let me have anything in the house, so anything out there is fine to have out out there, so yeah, it's just, um, yeah, my little paradise. Mate, so I'm just sweet. doing some quick maths here. There must be close to 50 grand worth of Parramatta stuff out there. That's that's crazy. It is. Um, yeah, it is crazy. Um, but, yeah, as I said, just collecting over 20, 25 years and birthday presents and Christmas presents and uh, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it does all add up. Um, probably the Probably the most expensive stuff that's in there is probably the jerseys. Uh, probably because the other stuff you can't really replace, like your posters and stuff like that, they're irreplaceable. So, um, yeah, probably the jerseys are probably the probably the most expensive. But uh, yeah, it all adds up. Mate, do you buy each jersey that they have each season? I generally do. 
Yeah, I, I, I generally do, um, especially if there's like a, a, a sponsor change or a design change or um, these days you have your Indigenous jersey come out and your Women in League jersey come out, Anzac jersey. and So, yeah, I, if there's only a minor change, I'll probably second thought that one, maybe get it at the end of the year when it's cheaper. Uh, but, um, yeah, I if it's a minor change, I'll probably – hold off but yeah generally i'll try and get all the seasons jerseys uh, throughout the years mum set mum my mum's helped me out a lot because she gets me for birthday and christmas presents so she's been great the mvp yeah mate yeah mvp for sure um as i said birthday and christmas presents uh she knows what i just say oh, i need this yep no worries there you go that's easy for her how bloody good, mate. Take me yeah. back to the your earliest memory as a Paramount Eels fan. I imagine it falls in the 1980s somewhere. Where do you sit? Yeah, it does. Um, 1986 grand final is my first Eels uh, memory. Uh, back in the day, as you, as you know, the grand final, I think, was on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so you had all three grades. I used to wake up 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever and just in the PJs and just – jumped on the couch and, you know, watch all three grades and um, pretty fortunate that we got away with the win that day, um, 4-2 against the Dogs. And, um, yeah, so that's my first Eels memory. Uh, growing up as a growing up as a kid, I, I live in Penrith and my uh, dad, my mum and dad were together. My dad's mate lived at Guildford and he was a Parramatta fan. So that's actually how I got into supporting Parramatta um, because he used to talk about Parramatta all the time. Mum and dad weren't really sports fans. Um, and then so I, growing up, I heard him about Parramatta. So I guess that's where it sort of came from as well. You'll have to send him the bill just quietly. <laughs> yeah, definitely, for sure. Mate, obviously the 1980s, there's been a heap of worse times to be a Parramatta Eels fan. Oh, for sure. Um, I was probably a little bit young at the time to uh, see the first three premierships. Um, and the uh, 80, 86 was the first one I, I remember watching. So I've, I have watched a lot of highlights over the years. Um, and, yeah, definitely um, sensational players and moments and grand final wins. And, yeah, absolutely great. Mate, I imagine being the fanatical Parramatta Eels fan you are, to have guys like Peter Sterling and Brett Kenny on your own podcast must have been a once-in-a-lifetime moment for you. Oh, for sure, 100%. Um, growing up, Sterling was always my favourite player growing up, and then later down the track, Heidi come on the scene, and I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit later. But, um, yeah, definitely the greatest halves combination, I reckon, that have played the game, um, Sterling and Kenny, and just to see the way they've played. And, and as you said, to get to talk to those guys and ask them questions that you want to ask them, it's just great. Mate, both absolute freaks. And, you know, Sterling, he's held in the highest regard around rugby league. In my opinion, I think Brett Kenny's sort of underrated to some extent. You know, to, to be able to perform the way he did on the biggest stage of the grand final every time he was there, he was just a freak, wasn't he? Oh, he was. Um, you know, he was probably the original intercept king um and just as i said take those intercepts um but that dominance he had in new south wales against queensland over wally um you know the only player to 
take out Wally from his test spot over on the 82 Kangaroo Tour. Um, and, yeah, he just went about his job. And no matter whether he played 5'8", centre, um, or even lock in late in his career, he was, he was great. Mate, I think it just sums Bird up when you hear the Queenslanders say that they would sit there and wait for the New South Wales team list to come out, and every time they would name Kenny at centre, they'd all just go, thank fuck. Like, it's oh, just, to, to have Wally Lewis in your team and be worried about anyone else playing 5-8, it just speaks volumes of Brett Kenny, doesn't it? Oh, for sure, 100%. Um, and I think the record shows itself. I think it was like 8 out of 12 games, I think, that Bert was at 5-8 and New South Wales won. So they should have just left him there all the time. Mate, the other guy that you mentioned before the podcast that you love watching back then was the guru, Eric Groth. Just he sort of was the um, he sort of was the prototype for wingers that we'd see in thirty years' time. But he was just so far ahead of his time, wasn't he? Oh, a hundred percent. As you said, he was like the prototype for the wingers now. But yeah, back in the day, um, you'd see the little he'd go down the wing and you'd see the little um, hip drop and just bumping players off and. Um, and scoring those tries in the corner, and and especially that try against Canterbury in the semi-final, that was that was amazing. And to beat what was it, seven players? I think he's still beating blokes on that run, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just to go from one side of the field to the other and just score that try. I mean, we probably won't see another try, wingers try like that again. It was just unbelievable. Mate, and a good bloke, and a good bloke he is too. Yeah, champion bloke was he? Yeah. Um, I got a good relationship with the guru and uh, I see him every now and again and um, chat with him. And yeah, he's a good bloke as they all are. Yeah. Without a doubt, mate, I don't need to remind you, obviously 1986, it's the last time the Eels have lifted the trophy. They haven't done it since. And the next grand final they were in was 2001, but sort of that late nineties, you had a pretty handy side. 97, you were telling me before the Eels won the sevens comp and you know, Jimmy Dimmick, Jared McCracken, all these guys, some young guys starting to come through. I know you mentioned Hindy and Luke Burt. Tell me about the uh, the mid-90s and the late 90s. Yeah, well, to go back, just the early 90s was a bit of a lean period. Um, obviously, after the greats retired, the early 90s was a bit of a lean period. But that uh, pretty much as soon as Brian Smith got to the club, um, he sort of turned it around. And as you said, the names there, Jimmy Dimmick, Jared McCracken, Dean Pay, even blokes like Ara Raper, um, Stuart Kelly as well. Um, and yeah, the emergence of Nathan Hindmarsh. Um, it just gave us fans a little bit of hope as well because I think 97, we won the sevens competition, um, first competition that we'd won since um, the 86 grand final. And you thought, okay, we're going all right here. Uh, I think we made the semi-finals that year as well, and the semi-finals from '98, '99, 2000. So, yeah, it was just giving us that hope uh, of winning a comp from '86. Mate, obviously we spoke briefly. You know, your Jimmy Dimmicks and Jason Smith, these guys that came over from Canterbury, they were just massive, weren't they? Oh, they were. I, I love the way Jared McCracken used to play the game, nice and hard, and. Um, yeah, you know, Dean Pay was a good leader for the for the young forward pack, and Jimmy Dimmick with his his ball playing skills. And I always remember a, a semi final against North Sydney, I think at Parramatta Stadium, and I think there was a little bit of a blue, and 
um, the referee called Jimmy Dimmick over and he said, um, now, Jimmy, the penalty is against you because, you know, you punched the opposition player. He said, yeah, of, of course I hit him. I smashed him. Um, and, yeah, it was just um, a good thing that I remember about Jimmy Dimmick. Um, but, yeah, they, they they brought over some and, – and Jason Smith, he had great ball-playing skills as well and, you know, origin players. And, yeah, it was a good time – being in the finals at that time after such that lean period. Mate, they don't make them like Jim Dimmick and Jason Smith anymore. All the skill in the world, tough as nails. They could they could beat you with their hands. They could step past you or they could simply just run over the top of you. Freakish footballers. Oh, 100%, definitely. I think maybe the closest that came to that from a Parramatta perspective a little bit later may have been Felini Mateo with his ball playing skills, I guess. Very close, but I'll tell you what, if there's a three-way bar fight, I think Felini's <laughs> getting sorted out, isn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Mate, let's move to 2001, and I've said a few times, it's the best team to never win a premiership. That season was just unbelievable, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. It started off a little bit rocky. I think it was win-loss, win-loss, draw. Um, yeah, so it started off a little bit rocky, but then the team got their straps together and were just uh, the most points of ever uh, teams ever scored in the premiership in a year. Um, and, you know, us Parramatta fans just really thought, yep, yeah, this is a year, this is a year. That's definitely going to happen. And um, we got to play uh, Brisbane again in the preliminary final. Um, and we remembered what they did to us the year before uh, where they knocked us out. And uh, we were thinking, okay, we're going to get them. And, um, yeah, we got it. And we got into the grand final. And we just all thought that it was it was, it was a great time to be a Parramatta fan. Unfortunately, there was a uh, immortal standing in your way. Yeah, and I think a uh, second rower or lock by the name of Ben Kennedy, I think, as well. He tore, tore us to shreds. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, it was, what, 24 nil at half time, And... I was at the game and people were wondering, oh no, how's Troy as he as he jumped off the back of the stadium or, or what? But um, uh, it was 24 nil at half time and I managed to get back to within six points and uh, Newcastle scored another try and it ended up, I think, 30 to 24. But if it was, I think if it was five minutes longer, we probably could have jagged it, I think. Mate, let me ask you about one of the superstars of that grand final. You know, he's, he's a, he ended up being just an all-time great in the NRL, Jamie Lyon. He was fantastic for the Eels. And then, you know, I, I spoke to Michael Witt a few months ago on my podcast, and he said they showed up for training and they were just told, killer's gone, he's just gone home. Do you remember that day? Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember that. Um, I think I was probably, I and a lot of para fans were probably, you know, confused at the time, I think. It's like, well why what, what's going on um you know he, he it was stellar in the 2001 season scoring an absolute gla- great try against the warriors in the semi-final but um yeah we were just all shell-shocked i think we were all just like what's going on um you know he's one of our best players you mentioned to me earlier that after that 2001 grand final you were sitting there with a mate at the end of the game and you both made a pact what was that yeah my best mate jeff um we went to the O one grand final and um, we 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 made a pact and we said, Okay, we we came to this grand final, 
unfortunately we lost um how about the next one we make it to we'll just stay at home and we'll, we'll have a barbecue grand final day barbecue and we'll, we'll watch it at home because yeah you just don't want to go through that pain again um but yeah so we did that for the next one yeah We'll get to that 09 grand final in a moment, mate. But yep. those those mid-2000s, like, there's a handful of guys there that were just incredible. I'll start with Nathan Hindmarsh. I imagine he's one of your favourites ever, if not your favourite. Yeah, probably probably my favourite. Um, as I said before, I think it was Sturlo when he was playing and then uh, he retired and then uh, Nathan came onto the scene in 98. Um, but, yeah, he certainly grew into my favorite player and just the way he never gave up and he was always tackling his heart out. And if there was a loose ball on the field, downfield near the trial line, it's generally hind. He's jumped on it. Um, and he's a great bloke as well. Every time I see him, he always, hi, hi Troy, how are you going? And, um, but yeah, it was, it was dead set shame that he didn't get to win a premiership. Mate, he was the all time king of the one percenters, wasn't he? Oh, definitely. I mean, as I said, if there was a loose ball, he'd jump on it, um, it, it make a covering tackle, um, hold hold them up over the line. Um, you, you never get uh, – he always gave 100% and 110% and, um, yeah, tried his heart out all the time. Mate, I imagine the 2005 season must be another one that you look back on and go – fuck what happened there and the emergence of Tim Smith that year was simply amazing oh it was um, yeah I think uh, we made the prelim final again and yeah we thought okay even during the season we thought yeah we're going pretty well here we're tracking pretty well and as you said Tim Smith um, rookie halfback and with any halfback that we have at Parramatta there's always that pressure on them is he going to be the next Peter Sterling? But um, no, nah, he he absolutely um, smashed it that year, and um, that was a year that was probably that did get away, as you said. Um, I think I heard a story the other day on a podcast, and uh, Mark Riddell was talking about that game, and I think he was talking about the the prelim final or the, or the week before, and and uh, he was saying that he was the players were celebrating the tries and, and then they were getting excited and stuff like that. And a message came across from Brian Smith saying, no, don't celebrate. We haven't won anything yet. Let's continue on the job. And I think they got a bit excited, but yeah, definitely to go down to the Cowboys, I think it was 29 nil in the prelim final. Um, Very disappointing because I think if we did make that GF, I think we could have gotten the Tigers on that night. And over the next few years leading to the 09 grand final, you have a young, a, a lot of young players that, uh, you know, they come through the juniors there at Parramatta. You've got Crimson Inu, you've got Jared Hayne. Um, another guy that comes along, Philly Philly Moy Moy, of course, he has one of the all-time great grand final moments in that 2009 game. What are your early memories of Philly Philly Moy Moy? Just running, uh, getting back and running onto the ball straight. I don't think he had a step in on him, I don't think. Um he was he was amazing. Uh, definitely a cult hero at Parramatta Stadium. Uh, you know the crowd would chant his name, Fooey. Um, every time he, he got the ball, it was great. Um, yeah, definitely tried his hardest, and just probably 
the greatest memory, as I said, was him just charging on the ball off a kickoff, especially, or, or a dropout and um, not having a step and just running into the defensive line. He was great. I used to love watching him when he had the uh, when he had the fluoro braids in the hair, and they would just rock it back and forth when he was taking it up. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, yeah, he'd get hit, and he, yeah, he'd see it all go everywhere. And um, yeah, it was always interesting to see what hairstyle feel we would have each week. Mate, we mentioned obviously that try that Philly scored in in the two thousand and nine grand final against Melbourne. Just an unbelievable moment. But the nine weeks leading up to that are some of the most unbelievable football we will ever see in rugby league history by Jared Hayne. Tell me about Hainsey that year. Well, he was practically um, unstoppable, and I don't think we'll ever see a run like that again from from anybody, to be honest. Um, he's basically had the league in the palm of his hand, so to speak, every time he went to the, uh, played in the games. He, he just controlled it well and uh, we knew if Hainsey was there not that we would, would rely on Hainsey but um, we knew that we'd be safe if he was there, um, he could get something out of nothing and yeah, you see the chip and chase try against the Tigers, that was unbelievable um, and then you see the try in the semi-final against the Dragons where he, uh, a bit like Eric Groth, he beat about seven players and um yeah, scored the try and ended up winning the Daly M Player of the Year that year. So, yeah, unbelievable. And we were all excited every time we saw him get the ball and we were thinking, okay, what's he going to do this time? And, um, yeah, great player, Haynes. He's one of my favourites. Mate, I had Brett Finch on my podcast the other day and he was talking about that no, grand yeah. final and he just sort of said that the the Par- sorry the Melbourne Storm, they just had a call whenever Hayne got the ball that it meant that no one could take a backward step. You had to be going forward and you essentially, you had to either put him on the ground or make him pass the ball. And like they were just the only team that could stop him over that 10-week period, weren't they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Finchie had a little bit of inside knowledge there um, from changing clubs. But yeah, um, smart tactics by the Storm. And it, as you said, if he... It put him down or make him pass the ball. Otherwise, he could do some damage to you. Mate, obviously, because of your packed all the way back in 2001, you stayed home for that game. What are your memories from it? Uh, we went to my mate's house, Jeff's, um, and we had a grand final barbecue. Had all the mates around and uh, watching the game. And um, To be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't too disappointed. I mean, obviously, I was disappointed that we lost the game. But I wasn't too disappointed, if you know what I mean, because, um, you know, 2001, we were expected to win, and that was probably – that was devastating. Uh, 2009, we practically had to win every game for 13 weeks to get to the GF, and it was a massive achievement to get there. And um, we got there, um, and again, a couple of calls probably went against us, but um, – and then we were clawing back, clawing back in the game again. Um, I think we were clawing back, and then I think Fui got penalised for a play the ball infringement, I think. Um, and that just changed the momentum again. And Melbourne just got away with that one again. And unfortunately for us Para fans, we found out what happened next year, the next year to Melbourne. But that's footy. Mate, it was just, uh, you know, that, that Melbourne Storm team, they were just so robotic and of course 
you know, it comes out the year later that they were over the salary cap. How did that leave you feeling? Oh, it, you know, obviously to lose. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Grand final to a team that the next year got caught uh, cheating the salary cap. Obviously, probably, yeah, at the time, you probably think, yeah, definitely, you know, yeah, you know, pissed off to be honest. Um, that he got beat by a team over the salary cap. Um, there's not much that you can you could have done about that. Um, there was talk at the time, or maybe Parramatta should be awarded the premiership, but that probably wouldn't have sat too well with with me because we didn't actually win it. And we didn't actually get to celebrate that that then. Um. But yeah, we were all filthy, and I think ever since then, I think we've Parramatta and Melbourne have had a a pretty fierce rivalry every time we've played, uh, because we always go back to that moment where they get caught for the salary cap and that GF. Mate, obviously, two thousand and nine being the roller coaster it was mainly because of Hainsey's performances. Then the grand final, he takes you on another roller coaster in two thousand and fourteen. He was simply unbelievable again that season, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, 2014 probably wasn't the best year for Parramatta, but there was moments there where he was excitable. Uh, we were excitable watching him because he'd create something out of nothing. Um, I think there was a try up in Darwin. He scored off a David Gower pass. Um, and I think it was about a 40, 50 metre try. I, I think there was one against Newcastle. I think that was a 90 or... 100-metre effort. I was we, there for that one. He went up the right touchline, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that one, yeah. Took so on the linger think, and just left him for dead. That's right, and then left everyone else for dead, yeah. Um, and so it's just little things like that that he that he did in games in that year. And, um, you know, you thought, okay, well, maybe the way he's going, we could, you know, make the semifinals and go from there. But, um, yeah, as I said, 2009, you didn't think that you were going to see another run like that, but he backed it up in 2014. Mate, I must say, the 2014 Eels, they are one of my favourite teams to watch ever, I think, with Hainsey in that sort of form and your halfback, Chris Sando. They were just entertainment machines. You could tell in the first 10 minutes whether they were on or off, but when they were on, my God, it was some good footy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, he was another little excitement machine, Chris Sandow. And um, as you said, if they were on, they were on. And it was brilliant to watch. Um, if they were off, then, yeah, they were off, unfortunately. And generally, it ended up being big scores against us um, if we were off. And uh, But for those games that were on and we won, it was it was amazing. Let's fast forward to 2017, mate. The, 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 the club, it goes through a few tough years. 2017 rolls around. You finish in the top four. I believe, is that the season that you went down to Melbourne and, and, and they just beat you? Yeah, so I was at that game. Um, a couple of mates said I did the, the road trip down. And, um, yeah, I think we were ahead at half time. I think 12, 
six or twelve ten or something, I think. Troy, was that uh, um was that the game where Mitch Moses threw that pass like around his back? I think he hit Will Smith to score. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, what that's ball. the one. What uh, a it ball. was um, a great set play from those two, I think. And um, it was good for Mitchell's confidence because he just switched halfway through the season um, to Parramatta and for him to play finals football for the first time and do something like that, unbelievable. That that was a great try. And um, again, uh, probably another controversy was – uh, Melbourne's first try, I think it was. I think the Parramatta away bay, I think, was in line with that with, with that pass, and we all saw that it went forward. But the referee didn't see that it went forward and led to a try. But their game ceiling try, I think, it went through about 13, 14, 15 sets of hands, I think, and we just couldn't put the ball down or the man down, and um, unfortunately, we went down. I think by two or four points in that game. Mate, the noise around the Eels in the 2018 preseason after that season in 2017, you know, it was just like they couldn't possibly fail and they just came out and, fuck, it was disappointing, wasn't it? Massively disappointing. Um, as you said, the the vibe uh, for us fans was, okay, we, we made the semifinals in 2017. Unfortunately, we went out in straight sets. Um, went lost to the Cowboys the week after and we thought, okay, the boys will learn from that. They'll have good off-season, um, even leading into the pre-season. I think we only had the one trial game, I think, against Newcastle um, and we beat them. Even though it was a trial game, we still beat them and beat them relatively well and we thought, okay, yep, yeah, it's, it's rolling on from 2017. Um, unfortunately, we faced Penrith, I think, round one. And I think we were, again, leading for the first 20 minutes and then they just ran us down. And I don't know what, I don't know what happened. I think maybe confidence just ended up getting down um, and we it sort of seemed that everything was going against us, I think. And as I said, confidence was down. Things weren't happening. And I think we lost our first six games of the year and it's very hard to claw back from that. Mate, 2019 rolls around and it's a massive year for the Eels. I mean, guys like Gutho and Mitch Moses, they come of age. Guys like Dylan Brown emerges, but you also find yourselves a new home. Tell me about the opening of Bankwest. Absolutely amazing, um, the opening of Bankwest Stadium. Uh, we, Us fans had waited two and a half, two to two and a half years for a new stadium. Um, when it was announced that we were getting one, we were playing out at ANZ Stadium, and then we, we were counting down the days um, until we get there. And we were all watching the progress of the stadium being built, and okay, it's getting closer and closer. And the build-up to that first day, that Easter Monday, was was unbelievable. Um, but I am fortunate enough to be on the Parramatta Eels Members Council. Um, and we were lucky enough to be on the field um, unveiling a massive flag, like a welcome home flag. And we were pretty much on the field. Uh, when the ball was kicked off, we were behind the dead ball line. And we saw the first hit up from on the field. So that was pretty amazing. Um, I'm also a Bankwest Stadium fan ambassador as well. So I, it, was, it was amazing to be one of those for them. Still am, and um, it was a day. I actually 
had a uh, film crew follow me around all day that day because uh, I had a little bit of a special uh, done for me or about me for for Bankwest Stadium and it was quite interesting to have a film crew follow you around all day and um, but that first try was unbelievable from Mitchell Moses it was just it was like I was riding a horse home the way he was running it's like go Mitch go Mitch go Mitch and yeah he got over and to put 51 points and win 51 to six, it was it was unbelievable. And the stadium is the best rectangular stadium in Australia, I reckon. And yeah, it's great that we've got this home now for the next, well, pretty much forever. So love going there for any event. Mate, it, it truly is a fantastic stadium. I mean, like I've been to my fair share of stadiums and I've got it and Suncorp right next to each other. Yeah. As far as actually watching a game of football, you know, I, I've only been to two or three games. I've been to a couple at Suncorp, and I think those two are just unrivaled to anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the way I sort of look at it, I, I think uh, even though Bankwest Stadium is a better stadium than Suncorp in, in my eyes, I think it's a, a baby Suncorp, if you know what I mean. So um, I've been to Suncorp as well. Uh, I've, I've been to a lot of stadiums. I think in 2018, I went to every game, every Parramatta game, um, home and away. So Fuck, you chose a, a bad season to do that. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, but um, it was just the way it was. It was a dream of mine to go to every single Parramatta game. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, things didn't roll our way. But got to go to Darwin and Townsville for the first time. So I saw those stadiums. But, um yeah, I've even been to Suncorp for an Origin game and that atmosphere was amazing. But uh, even the Sydney grounds, I think, yeah, nothing compares to Bankwest Stadium. I think the sign of a great stadium, mate, and, you know, the, the, the one of the times I was there, I went there for those um, international nines that they had at the end of last year. And, yeah. you know, of course, there wasn't many people there. So you were sort of, sort of able to sit wherever you want. And I sort of, you know, you, you, yep. you're there for five or six hours a day. So... I went for, you know, a few walks around the stadium and, mate, I don't reckon I got to any point where I walked out and looked at the ground and went, fuck, this is an average seat. There's just – there isn't a bad seat in that joint, is there? No, definitely not. Um, As you said, wherever you sit, um, not a bad seat in the house. Um, The view's just amazing and uh, you could be on the side and the view's amazing. Behind the post, it's amazing. Uh, even even up high, because it's got the steepest stands in Australia, you're sort of a bit more over the top of the field. So you're not that far away, even if you're up the top. And, uh, yeah, as you said, wherever you, wherever you sit, you've got a great view of, of the ground. Mate, obviously 2019, it's a real breakout season for your hooker, Reid Marnie. And, you know, he's obviously going to be a future leader at the club. Tell me about Marnie. Yeah, um, so my first... Memory of Reed Marnie was, I think, a preseason in 2010, I think it was. And it was a members training session, I think, in like November or December or um, something like that. And I just remember seeing this kid. Um, it was like a 40 plus degree day in Parramatta. And I just remember, I think they were just doing laps around the oval. And I just remember seeing this kid just put in a, a hundred percent and you know his face was red and the sweat was there the shirt was off and but he it was his attitude to training then and was was amazing I thought I I thought to myself yeah I think this kid this kid's gonna make it and um 
I was fortunate enough to see his first game in Darwin in 2018 and um, he's just slowly come along since then and I think, yeah, definitely last year was a was a breakout year for him and um, this year he's, he's done a little bit more as well. He's added a kicking game to his game and, um, yeah, as you said, I think he's going to become a, a leader of the forward pack and um, probably Queensland origin uh, rep duties are not that far away, even though that's probably not on his radar. He's probably concentrating on Parramatta, but yeah, great player, Reid. And great off the field as well with the amount of charity work that he does um, with um, par- and Parcel on Clothing. Does some great work there. Obviously, at the times that we're in at the moment, probably uh, he can't do as, as much as what he wants to, but um, yeah, he certainly does a great deal of charity work. Mate, let's year. talk at the end of 2019. Uh, obviously, you managed to sign Ryan Madison from the West Tigers, and you know, it was obviously a massive signing for you guys, but it sort of put a band aid over um, an issue that I think you guys are starting to see now. And it it surrounds about a guy that left the building and that was Manu Mao. I really think he was a true leader at your club. And I think that he's the sort of guy that you want in the trenches with you when your team's a bit down and out as the Eels have been the last few weeks. Like in my opinion, I I don't think you lose that game 38 nil to South Sydney the other week. If you had a guy like Manu Mao in the club, I think you guys are really missing him now. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, definitely uh, one of my favourite players from over the years. Um, yeah, he's he was like a real forward leader for us and um, a bit like Jared McCracken back in the day, he's a real tough, tough player and um, he, he developed a bit of a ball passing game and a running game, but he, just his defence and the death stare he used to give to players on the opposition, I wouldn't want to be on the end of that. Um, but yeah, Certainly missing him, but unfortunately can't keep all the players that you want to keep. Um, and fortunately, I think he's killing it over now over in England at the moment. Mate, obviously 2020 rolls around and after the success in 17, then the failure in 18, were you a little bit nervous to start this season? Yeah, definitely. I guess I think, as you said before, you get the success in 2017, then you roll into 18 and you see what happens then. Um, you have the success last year and then you think, okay, uh, what's going to happen this year? So, yeah, obviously a little bit nervous, but probably confident as well uh, because I knew that we would learn from the mistakes of the of the years before. Um and it certainly showed the first half of the year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was probably more confident than, than anything, than, than worried about how we would go this year. Mate, he's obviously injured at the moment, but I think one of the key cogs in your side has been your young 5'8", Dylan Brown. I think his future in rugby league, like his ceiling is just so high. He could be absolutely anything. Tell me about Dill Brown. Um, yeah, another one of my favourite players, Dylan Brown. Um yeah, you saw this year when Mitchell Moses was out that he took control of the team and stepped it up. And um, and he's another player similar to Nathan Weimarsh. He never gives up. Um, never gives up in a chase. And there was a chase in 2000. It was last year, and um, I think in, in the Melbourne game. And uh, for sure, it looked like Melbourne were going to score, but Dylan Brown's just coming out of nowhere and. 
um, made the tackle. So, yeah, he's another one who doesn't give up. Um, but when you're getting players of the ilk of Andrew Johns, who's doing a little bit of work with the Parramatta halves, saying that, um, as you said, this kid could be anything. Um, and that's what we've got to remember. He's only a kid. And um, unfortunately, last year he was out for half of the year. Um, but this year he's fully fit. And unfortunately, he just suffered an injury on his ankle, hoping to get him back. Uh, we have missed him over the last couple of weeks. Uh, unfortunately, that's footy. But again, another great bloke off the field, does a lot of charity work for, I think, Pass It On Clothing. And um, he's actually donating his boots to, I think, Ronald McDonald House, trying to raise some funds uh, currently. So just the sort of bloke he is. Now, mate, he's not your only handy Brown in that footy side. Obviously, Nathan Brown as well. I've spoken on my podcast a few times that every team they needs it they they need a dog that's going to fight for every bone and Nathan Brown he's your dog isn't he? Oh, definitely Brownie. Um, yeah, he's sort of another player that you definitely want in your in your forward pack. Um, he has probably matured since he's come to Parramatta uh, from his early days. He does cop a bit of criticism for his his high tackles and and the like, but I think that's just that's just the way he plays, uh, but he has settled that down a lot. But uh, I remember this year there was a dropout uh, that we got, and I think I think Clint Gutherson was standing on the 50-metre line taking the ball, and I think Nathan Brown was about 20 metres behind that. So he's on the 30-metre line, and just as soon as that ball was in the air, he's just like charging, and he took the ball off Gutho and just hit that defensive line. And it was amazing just to see him do that and – um, yeah, he's one of those players, as I said, has matured since he's been at Parramatta and um, he could go on to bigger and better things maybe with Origin at the end of the year. Mate, he's one that, you know, if Parramatta go deep in the finals, he could really put his name up for Origin here. If he performs in those in those big games in the final series, I know Freddie's a big fan of him. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him there. Hopefully he's fit for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's always handy having the coach as a fan of, of your work. And I think if not if not this year, I think maybe in the years to come, he'll he'll be in and around New South Wales. And I think maybe he might be in the squad this year. Uh, whether he gets a run or not, I'm not too sure. But, yeah, he's going to be one player that we're going to look to to lead the forwards and get us deep into the competition. Speaking of coaches, mate, tell me about Brad Arthur. Uh, yeah, Brad Arthur, um, obviously a Parramatta junior. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, he cops a lot of criticism from the fans. Um, I think he's probably done a good job in his time that he's been there. He's had a lot to go through. Um, obviously, 2016, I think we saw that he probably held the club together, I guess, so to speak. Um, a lot of the players like playing for him. Uh, probably maybe one of the criticisms that I have is maybe here and there, he's a very loyal coach, um, loyal to players, but maybe just maybe uh, here and there could make some changes from week to week sometimes, I think. But as I said, he's a very loyal coach and loyal to his players. And um, he's obviously had the success in 17, year in 18, 
19 was good. This year's been good. So we've re-signed him again for another couple of years, I think. So um, he may potentially become the longest-serving Parramatta coach that we've had. Um, so he's obviously doing something right and uh, building for the future. Mate, obviously, Brad Arthur, you know, he, he made one vital decision, which at the time I sort of went, geez, I don't know about this, making Clint Gutherson captain. And it's just taken Gutho, Gutho's game to a new level, hasn't it? Oh, for sure. Um, when he was named captain, I think uh, he matured even more as well. And he had that responsibility on his head and he wanted to prove everyone that uh, that the coach has named him as captain. So he has to act like a captain and uh, lead from the front. And I think we're seeing that these days for sure, 100%. Mate, tell me about the future of the Eels. Have you got a premiership in you over the next five or six years? Definitely, definitely. I think um, we've got the nucleus of our team, especially our spine, re-signed for another couple of years, which is always good to have your spine re-signed. Um, we've got a pretty good forward pack um, and we've got some good youngsters coming through as well. Um, and yeah, we're learning all the time um, going into the finals this year is another learning curve as well. So more experience for the players as well. And um, yeah, I, I think the future's bright for Parramatta. Uh, we're pretty, um, yeah, well, Rated on TV and in the media, so um, we're well liked in that regard. If if the old adage is if Parramatta's doing well, rugby league's doing well, um, and you can just see that if we weren't in the times that we're in at the moment, I think you'd see you know 25 plus at Bankwest Stadium every time they played. Tell me this, mate: when you do eventually get back to that grand final, will you be attending? Definitely, 100%. Um, I ticked off the the dream of going to every single game home and away. So my next uh, dream is to be live and present at a Parramatta Grand Final victory and uh, sing We Are the Champions by Queen. So, yeah, 100% I'll be there, definitely. Are the days of staying home for Grand Finals, are they done forever? Uh, yeah, I think so, definitely, 100%. Um, I won't be missing another grand final, that's for sure. I'll be definitely going uh, to everyone from now on, uh, with or without Jeff. <laughs> Mate, I, I don't think the Eels would let you stay home if you tried, just quietly. No, no, definitely not. Um, no, I, I think they definitely want me there. Um, but, yeah, as I said, I'd be you know, doing anything I could just to get there. Oi, mate, fan is short for fanatic, and you are a true Parramatta Eels fanatic. It's been an honour to tell your story, mate. I really appreciate you giving up your time tonight to have a yarn to me. Uh, for all my listeners, jump over to the Paracave podcast. Troy's doing fantastic things. He's got some huge names on there that he has a yarn to. A champion bloke that I was very lucky to talk to. Thanks for your time, mate. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck in the finals. Thank you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 